0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. hello friends and welcome to herd your food beverage and hospitality podcast I'm Joe Hakim and tonight I'm joined by Vato what's up Joe not a lot vato how are you good how are you doing buddy? good Nick a little bit of l- l- lacroix
2: a little bit of uh, cockroach and insecticide. <laughs> in there right I, I, I read that
1: it's that's a lie <laughs> that's, that's a bold faced lot that was fake news it's yeah it's i mean it's a think, natural flavoring i think it? uh travis did a pretty good fritz from uh yeah. old nation uh did a pretty good explanation of what all these things are was
2: um, that usa today Was that fake news i
1: don't know, I don't know.
0: yeah
2: it was totally usa today we yeah. talked about it on the tv show yeah well
1: <laughs> yeah uh and our special guest chef Doran brooks of the soon to be oh op- well soon early 2019 to yes. be open uh white wolf japanese patisserie in uh Clausen, right? Klausen. yes, Yes. Clausen. 12 mile next to, right near Noble Fish.
2: 14 mile. Uh, right, right next 14 door to 14 mile, sorry. Noble, Noble, Fish, Noble is, Fish, yes. This is Noble the Fish. fanciest this place has ever looked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have two of the most beautiful, is that a cheesecake? A cheese it's a cheesecake. cheesecake. And then like a wedding cake. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is crazy.
1: So, okay, let's talk about these desserts before before we go into the week's news. Let's okay. go, let's talk about these uh, beautiful desserts that are in front of us. Um yeah, because we're going to dig into them soon. They won't be so beautiful once we <laughs> dig into them. Uh,
3: so, Doran, what's, what do you have uh, with, with you? Okay, so the big uh, wedding cake ish one is a Japanese strawberry shortcake. It's like a French style chiffon, uh, kind of like a Japanese like version of it, though, mm-hmm. which is a really light, airy, not very sweet. Uh, fresh strawberries and whipped cream with a bunch of fruit on top. This is a very traditional Japanese dessert, uh, it's very old school pretty much every Japanese place you go into will have like a version of this. Okay. Uh, this is a vanilla bean cheesecake with a shortbread crust and a cranberry ginger orange compote mm-hmm. on top. It's a kind of a fall version of the cheesecake i have done. Um, it's one of my old school recipes that I've done for years and years and years. And I've done it on every place I've ever worked. Uh, it's really popular. It's kind of more an American, but I've taken like all the different techniques from working in the different places and kind of tweaked it to make it the way that it is. It's not too heavy. It's not too rich. And then the little ones over there, those are very traditional French uh, vanilla bean creme brulee. Whoa. Awesome. You yes. guys got all this stuff for my birthday. This is amazing.
1: <laughs> is it your birthday? Tomorrow. 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 Happy birthday. Can you believe
0: that? Yeah, that's like awesome. Everyone gets one. Are you 60? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You and my four-year-old who was guessing my birthday today. He's like, how old are you? 45, 65? I was like, damn you. That's
1: well, all right. Happy birthday a day early. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone gets one. So these desserts are stunning. Um, A bit of news from the week that I, I didn't think was very surprising, but I, I don't want to speak ill of – Businesses trying to operate, but um, holy moly, donut shop in Detroit. Uh, it was found to be a front of sorts, but it looked money like, laundering. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but, love that
0: the story that uh, the Detroit News says is, that, you know, cops drawn to a donut shop for the wrong reasons, <laughs> or different reasons, different reasons. <laughs> different reasons.
1: But also, it's a donut shop connected to a dispensary, which is well, brilliant, right, right, in but, one respect, but also, yeah, um, they're, they're owned owned by the same people from what the article
2: like, they're The dispensary is kind of a sham. So, is it like real money laundering, or is it like, you know, because you can't have a real bank for your weed business yet? Is it like pseudo money laundering? You are not going to have
0: a bank for your weed business ever as long as it's federal. Right. Federally, right. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You could do Cash App or something, maybe. Right. You know, Venmo.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You put Venmo. But but even Venmo is attached to a bank. You can attach your Venmo to a bank account. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't think you can do Venmo. No. I think you just have, like, a safe, like, buried
2: in your backyard. It's
0: the – I mean, it's the worst. I mean, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to go on the ballot. When I say go, it's going to win, in my opinion, on the ballot. And we'll be closer, but we still have a ways to go, I feel and, like. And it'll it'll be like all these other places. And, you know, you just don't want cash businesses like that. I I mean, when you get – what was it? Uh, who just turned over and they stopped doing cash after – after for oh what was it it wasn't oh too. the Coney Island yeah 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 we talked about it yeah yeah right
1: La, yeah Lafayette yep yeah, yeah. And I mean, they take credit just,
0: cards now yeah I mean you there, know so many different places like that I mean
1: there's a there's an incredible pizza place in Chicago called Bonsi uh they're a Roman style pizza place they don't take cash credit only Nemo's doesn't take cash or it doesn't take credit they don't take credit right no this is the opposite they just don't take cash they will they're a non a zero cash business. So you go in, you have your phone, you you pay with Apple Pay or whatever, you pay with a credit card, debit card, anything like that. No cash.
0: Hard to get robbed that way, right? I, mean,
1: I mean, that's the Uber Lyft model. Yeah, right? I don't know if there's if that's the intention of the business, but um, you know that, yeah, you can't rob them.
2: I mean, I have no problem with it. I think the the long time argument was that it's not accessible to a couple people. Uh, I feel like credit only. Yeah, okay. I mean, like you know, it's probably that argument has probably evolved a little bit over the years now. Yeah. Now that. Credit cards are fairly easy to get, right? But I'm sure there's still some people out there that don't have them.
1: Yeah, so I understand that Holy moly still operating. Um, as of at least a couple of days ago, I've seen I saw a couple of people on Facebook posting donuts from there, which I think is bizarre. But I don't know how these investigations work necessarily. They're still able to operate as a donut shop. Maybe the dispensary closed. I have no idea. Innocent um, until proven guilty kind
2: of thing, maybe.
3: Maybe,
1: Chef. What What are some Japanese donuts? Is there a Japanese donut? Oh,
3: <laughs> Japanese donuts. Um. Probably the most traditional is like this um it's really light and airy. It's almost like a brioche but even lighter and then it's just rolled in cinnamon sugar. It's kind of like a just like a bread type thing. It's really good though. Is
0: it like a is it is it like a sizable kind of thing or is it like a Timbit small?
3: Probably about the size of your fist. It's pretty big. But it's like round. It's like a ball. Okay. Yeah. Is it filled? No, it's not filled. No I mean, you can get it filled. Like, sometimes they'll do filled, but that's not really traditional. That's kind of taking it more like an American style. Uh-huh. So you'll see that in some places, but more traditionally, it's just like a – just really light, airy, like not so sweet.
0: Served warm, cold, doesn't matter? Room temp. Room temp?
3: Yeah. What's that called? Uh, It's just called a – like a donut pretty much in a Japanese bakery. That's – when you walk in there and you go in and you ask for a donut, that's They're what like you get. Fat. Yeah, like exactly.
1: that. Yeah, exactly. Now – so Japanese bakery mm-hmm. in Metro Detroit. Is yes. there another one around here?
3: So the the one that's been around for a very long time is Pasture House Hippo in right. Novi. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the only like really true to like authentic Japanese bakery. Um, they've been open for years and years. I want to say like 20, 30 years, something like that. Very old school. They've recently kind of uh, been focusing more on their bread. Stuff which is, uh, you know, basically like a brioche bread. It's called a kashi dough, and then it's filled with other things like custard or red bean paste or white bean paste or just different things like that. Uh, and they've gotten a little bit away from the cakes and stuff like that. So there's not really a lot of of this type of thing in Metro Detroit. And so when I was looking at doing something, I looked around and I saw like, wow, this like Metro Detroit could really use something like this. So. That was kind of the initial like reasoning to coming here. Now, mentioning Pace
1: Hippo, did did I read – correct me if I'm wrong – like uh, a few months back that you guys were thinking of taking over that space or is yes. that wrong? You were. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and the plan shifted
3: obviously because Pace Hippo was still operating then because they were closing mm-hmm. down for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, we were in negotiations with them to buy the space and the business. Okay. Um, we'll lease the space but buy the business and start operating out of there as White Wolf. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Okay, um, And so we started looking for other options. And so we found the space in Clausen. after that fell through. And so we're building out a brand new kitchen and space and cafe in Clausen, basically next door to Noble Fish, in between Flipside Records and Detroit Burger House. Oh, okay. so not the, is the crazy Armenian cafe still there? So Noble Fish is some inside knowledge yeah. is actually uh-huh. expanding into that and the hair salon around the corner.
2: Okay, because that place always stroked me as, like, shady. <laughs> because I had female friends no that comment. would go in there, and they would like, not be served.
3: Yes. I don't, um, know,
2: I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but yeah.
1: I've never heard that, but I remember back to my days when I used to work for Macomb County that uh, there were a couple of those shops, like uh, Eastern European coffee shops there, and if I had to walk in at any given moment, I would be given death stares. Like, do not, you're not allowed in here. Um, I don't know why. Hmm. I would walk in. Feel uncomfortable and walk out. Yeah,
3: every I, time I walked idea, in there, there's like every single person in there smoking cigarettes, and there's only dudes in there, and they're all over like 60. Yeah, hmm. so well, there you go. Sounds like a
1: front. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the theme of today's show. <laughs> um,
0: so this uh, this Japanese pastry. Front. <laughs> what is it really?
1: <laughs> um. So okay. So. And my only my only local point of reference is Pastry House Hippo. So yep. these pastries that they do there that are like little cute animals, is that their thing or is mm-hmm. that a traditional Japanese thing?
3: That's very traditional. That's very traditional. very old school, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So if you don't know, they have um, a series of pastries that are like uh, turtles or mm-hmm.
3: smiley faces. Everything is cute in Japan. It's called Anpan Man is the one with the onpan. smiley face with chocolate on it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys will do as well or we'll – do, We'll do some of that traditional stuff as well. Okay. Uh, so I want to I do some of the really old school traditional stuff but do it to a level that uh, Metro Detroit hasn't seen yet. Uh-huh. Like bring it back to – when you go to like the countryside in Japan and what they used to do back then and bring that level of quality of Japanese pastry to Metro Detroit. I'm also going to do some very old school French stuff. Um, and then I want to do kind of like a fusion of those types of things as well. So it's going to be a cool mix of a bunch of different stuff. And so th- this kind of fusion
1: that you're going to do, is yes. this something that is uh, prevalent elsewhere in the country or is it something yes. new? Okay, it is. Okay.
3: So, so just to give a little background, um, Japanese pastries uh, traditionally are French in their origin. And a lot of people don't know that, know that. A lot of people think that they are you know, Japanese and French is French and American is American. Because way old school, wasn't there not a lot of flour? No, exactly. There wasn't wheat in Japan way, way long time ago. Mm-hmm. And actually in 1543, I think it was, don't quote me on the year. It was 1543 or 1542. Um, Japan opened their borders to other mm-hmm. countries, which they had closed off mm-hmm. for a very long time. And the Portuguese were one of the first people to enter Japan. And they introduced the Japanese to bread. And so the Japanese word pan from for bread actually comes from the Portuguese word pao for bread. So that's when they actually discovered bread and they discovered wheat and they started uh, testing and doing that type of thing. So a lot of of the traditional pastries and and desserts and things like that are actually from other countries. So it's really cool.
2: There's an awesome YouTube series called Japanology that it's actually not originally on YouTube. I think they actually played it somewhere. But it goes through all this stuff and it's like a half an hour episode on bread, on soy sauce, on tofu. They are awesome. They're Mm -hmm. a little dry, but they're really awesome. That's cool. What's it called again? Japanology. Japanology.
0: Yeah. I we'll wanted to check that out. That would be really interesting. What what, uh, what gets you into the whole Japanese pastry thing? Where does that or, origin story come from?
3: So I – so step back even a little further than that. I went to culinary school in Australia. I grew up in California, moved to Australia. My dad's Australian. So he moved our family to Australia. Uh, went Graduated high school, went to culinary school out in the Yarra Valley, which is the countryside halfway between Sydney and Melbourne. When I finished culinary school, I wanted to come back to America. And I figured if I'm going anywhere, I'm going to go to New York because New York is like the food hub of the world almost in a way. Um, I didn't do pastry specifically. I did like all culinary arts when I was in Australia. Um, I was in New York for a few years, worked out there doing different things. And then I ended up uh, landing a gig at Morimoto, New York City, Mm -hmm. um, which if people don't know, he's the Iron chef, uh, the Japanese Iron chef, Morimoto. And his flagship stores in downtown New York City and Chelsea Market. So I applied for a line cook position. They didn't have it. So they offered me a pastry position, just plating desserts basically, because I didn't have a lot of pastry experience back then. Um, I took it because I'm like, well, it's more moto. I want to learn something new. I was young in my career. Uh, got the gig, started working. Within three months, um, the executive pastry chef promoted me to the production manager of the Mm. pastry shop. So I was in charge of making all the pastries for his restaurant in New York City. So that got me really interested in uh, Japanese pastries, Japanese food in general. So when I left that gig, I actually went and worked in Japan for two months in Fukuoka, um, learning how to make udon and soba by Mm. hand, which was a really, really cool experience. And you can't do it legally here in the United States, but what we used to do— so we used to take the dough, mix it by hand, and then we'd wrap it in this loin cloth and we'd put it on the floor and we'd put on these loin cloth socks and we'd actually walk on it to knead it. So that's wow. how we used to knead it because you needed your body weight because the dough, the udon was so stiff. Wow. You wouldn't be able to knead it otherwise. Joe's so. been working out though. I think, I think he, <laughs> I think he might true. It's true. be able to. So, so there's not a way. So I feel like you can crush grapes with your feet. Yep. So maybe we're not that far off. I mean, you, I mean, I'm sure there's ways to do it. Like if you had the right, like protection between your feet and the dough, like I'm sure you could get away with it. But um, yeah, I mean, it was really cool doing that in Japan because that's just the shop had done it for about 80 years and it was passed down to like father to son to father to son. Hmm. So, but that got me really excited about Japanese food in general. And then from there I've kind of, you know, come back to it and gone away from it. And now I'm, back in it again so
0: how how do you add it up in michigan
3: um michigan is so i was uh approached by the company that owns uh noble fish owns one world market uh true world group and they asked me if i was interested in doing a bakery project with them so they didn't have a lot of idea of what they want to do they just kind of wanted to do a bakery in general they want to do japanese bakery um, so I kind came on board to talk with them and figure out what we were going to do. So that was about two years ago. And, um, now we are in this stage where, you know, all the hard work, all the research, all of the effort that we've done over the, the past two years to really figure out what type of business we want to do. We kind of approached other markets as well here and there. But we ultimately decided that Metro Detroit was the place we wanted to be because it has a really awesome food scene. It's not flooded like Chicago, San Francisco, L.A. or like New York. Um, There's a lot of things happening here. And, you know, Detroit, as people that aren't from Detroit know, has like a really bad rap. Everyone goes like, oh, Detroit. It's like the hellhole or whatever it is. I came here not knowing what to expect, being from California and never having been here before and thinking that it was like that because that's all you hear. And was like really surprised by how cool it was, all the new restaurants that are coming into Metro Detroit, all the cool things that are happening. It was just like – I fell in love. And so um, I actually bought a house recently out here because I'm like – I'm, I'm going to stay here for the long haul. So yeah, nice. it's great. So is there a particular
1: learning curve that you have to teach people when they so – see, they walk into your your – to White Wolf, mm-hmm. are they going to be – are pastries going to be easily recognizable or Are people going to have to be walked through um, what's in front of them?
3: So I want everything to be very recognizable but also interesting. So let's take something that's very approachable, say a cheesecake, right? But um, let's do something really interesting to it. Like let's do like a matcha flavor to it or let's do uh, a ginger flavor to it, right? That maybe you wouldn't have had with a cheesecake in the past. So I like taking uh, foods that are very recognizable, very approachable, and throwing at least one thing in there that's a little different to teach someone about food or teach someone about something that they wouldn't be like uh, courageous enough outside of that to try.
0: I, I think that's the case with this cheesecake. I mean, way you mentioned it, mean, I can tell it's a cheesecake right off the bat. But then you're talking about some of the different flavors around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well,
3: there's Greek yogurt in it. There's uh, cranberries. There's ginger. There's orange. um, uh, Vanilla beans. I didn't use vanilla extract at all in it. Um, So it's not like how you would really approach a cheesecake traditionally, but – I guarantee you, it's it's. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to wait for you guys to try it. Maybe it sucks. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing to to keep in
1: mind is that that cheesecake is not a Japanese cheesecake. No. So Japanese cheesecake is some uh, totally
3: different. Um, yes. Animals, yes. or mm-hmm. cake. Um. What is Japanese cheesecake? So Japanese cheesecake is uh, kind of a whipped cheesecake. So it's very light. It's very airy. Um. It's almost like a like a souffle in a way, like a fallen souffle. So something that kind of rises up when it's baking and then it falls and then it's served room temp. So, yeah, so that that's something that um
1: th- that's prevalent even outside of uh Japanese bakeries at this yes, point, right? Yes. Japanese cheesecake is kind of like it's become a thing all. Yeah, there's
3: some Eastern European bakeries that you'll go to and you'll see kind of like a soufflé cheesecake and that comes from like a like Japan traditionally and then just like Japan took a lot of the traditional French and and Eastern European recipes and tweak them for their country. There's been like that trade back to to Eastern Europe as well in that way. So are you familiar with the um the these
1: kind of animal shaped pastries that we mm-hmm. discussed earlier? Are you, yep. So are you familiar with like, the history of these pastries? Like why are they animal shaped? You know?
3: I mean it, it's I don't know the exact like where it came from, but if I had to make a, a an educated guess, I would say that if you look at Japan, there's a lot of the the culture is surrounded around anime and cartoons and this type of thing. So a lot of uh, the pastries kind of reflect that. And if you look at even the cookies and the, and the candy and stuff like that, it's all very decorated. It's all very cutesy and and this type of thing. So that, that that's kind of where I would say it came from um, without actually knowing per uh-huh.
1: se. Yeah. And, and so this um – this bakery, will
3: there be savory
1: items as well? Yes. Okay. And walk walk us through what that's going to look like.
3: So it's going to be a very limited savory menu. We're going to do some uh, like old school tartine sandwiches. So think like shaved prosciutto with like tomatoes and arugula with a little olive oil. Maybe some burrata. Uh, we're going to do some sandwich – I mean some uh, salads. Um, like a Caesar salad and like a chef salad, things like this. And
1: and these are things that if you were like to go to a bakery in Japan, they would be there as well or no,
3: there'll be some versions of this. Um, So something that would be Japanese that we'll have is called a katsu sandwich. It's a pork cutlet that's been pounded down. It's been breaded. It's been deep fried. And then it goes in between two pieces of uh, uh shokupam, which is like a traditional Japanese white bread with a little bit of egg, a little bit of sugar and milk in it. Um, And then there's a little bit of teriyaki, like sweet sauce on it as well, um, on the katsu sandwich. So that's a very traditional thing. So we'll have some stuff like that. Any uh, noodles? Um, I've been debating. You got me on the udon thing. The the yakisoba. Um, I will put it on the menu, (laughs) but we'll see how it does. Because uh, from what I've seen, there's been places where it does really well. And then there's places where it doesn't do very well. We're actually gonna open um like a a satellite store in Novi later next year.
0: Um, what do we got down there? We got uh, Kyoto. Where in Novi? No, in Clawson. Down well, it's not Clawson, but it's down the street, right, fourteen and Crooks ish. Right, we got Kyoto down there. That's got they got Uda yeah down there. I think.
2: Yep. Right. Newtopia. That's not Japanese though.
1: No, Newtopia's on John R. Right. And what else we got? We got. I'm just thinking well, about th- it. These these mm-hmm. kind of hand pulled noodle places are like yep. taking off right now. So yeah. there's Noodletopia. There's um, uh, there's a place in Farmington now. There's another place, uh, Kung Fu Noodle House on. Uh, mm-hmm. Both those are in Madison. Noodletopia and Kung Fu Noodle House are both in Madison Heights. Um, you can right. get you can get noodles in a lot of. places. No,
0: I know, but I, that that corner there at uh, in Clawson is a fun corner. Denangs da- da- yeah, right, right there. Right, yeah, the yep. Denangs
1: right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you
2: got a lot of a lot of uh, activity. Going on in that, yeah, Claussen's has there.
3: a lot of stuff going on, which that, is exciting to be a part of.
2: Yeah, that Indian place, that vegetarian place, chutneys. Uh, oh, yeah, I've mm-hmm. now eaten there a couple times. I'm like that. That's addictive.
3: Yeah, that's where my you know my son goes to
0: school in Clawson right there. Oh, Spanish, yes. Spanish for toddlers, the Spanish uh, uh, Montessori school oh, okay. is right uh, down the street. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff going on in that little little uh, you know area of the world right there at Claussen's. Not not a huge area, but it's packs a punch.
3: Well, I mean, I think Detroit is kind of getting a little full, and and you know it's kind of coming up. Royal Oak is getting a little pricey to open businesses, and so it just kind of makes sense to to go to Clawson next because it's right there. We're shooting itself in the foot right now. I feel yeah, like yeah, it is. Like we we vetted a space in in Royal Oak, um, and the landlord just wanted way too much money. Mm-hmm. and We were just like, it's not going to work. I'm sorry, because it's just it, it's not going to work. And I think that's the problem Detroit's going to start having is I bet a lot of people are squatting.
2: On some prime real estate, and they're probably asking for high prices. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's going to be a a lull, and then they're going to start bringing some of those prices down. They have been for a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean
3: that's nothing. Ferndale's yeah. also doing that as well. Like the the price of real estate for a commercial real estate in downtown Ferndale is like outrageous at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, you, Nick, you
1: you mentioned a story about Royal Oak that we can touch on briefly since we're talking mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. uh,
2: re- regarding food
1: trucks. Yeah, what is
2: it? So there was a. um, uh what do you call it an ordinance that came up so food trucks could go in um cuz right now food trucks can only be at special events mm-hmm. so they can go to the farmers market they can go to this they can go to that but they can't just go on the street and do like a like a pop up if you will so the the mayor kind of pushed for this uh and what the ordinance basically said is um and I, i'm quoting it as best i can from memory is if there's like a uh, a restaurant that has like a liquor license but not a kitchen you know like a um uh, like Motor City Gas or something like that, they could have a food truck to align with them you know, for uh, occasions. So this passed five to four, and basically restaurateurs are really pissed off about it because they're saying, hey, you know, we have all this stuff that we have to do. You know, we have to pay taxis. We have to have bathrooms. We have to have cleaning, health inspections, all this. Whereas food trucks you know, don't have to do that stuff. And you know, I, I feel like this debate has been going on for yeah, tens and tens of that's years. That's
0: the debate that they had in Detroit when food trucks first came to Detroit.
2: Right. And, I, and the, the thing that I want to bring up is you know, the people, the general people, just want cool, creative places to eat. And if they want to sit down and if they want bathrooms and if they want all that stuff, they'll go to a restaurant. If they want quick, dirty food in and out, they'll go to – dirty is probably <laughs> a <laughs> bad example. <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick, cheap, you know, quick, cheap food. Is that cheap though. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Yeah, I mean, in kind of the long run, compared to most restaurants, okay. it's cheaper. Yep. Um, I just feel like they, you know, the public wants creativity, and you especially look at the restaurants in Royal Oak. A lot of the ones that do have the liquor license have been fairly stagnant for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah,
1: I, I um,
0: I mean, I, I don't know whatever. I mean, everyone can
1: be mad all the time. But it's got.
0: I think you got to step up your game.
1: Right. Right. Yep. I, I don't think there's gonna be that much additional competition from food trucks that are popping up in front of Motor City Gas. That's not. That's not a thing. Like, and, and Motor City. I mean, using them as an example, they're far enough away. Or River Rouge Brewing across the street from there. They're far enough away from most places. Any food truck that parks out in front of there is not going to take business away from in season, which is right ten steps away from there. Right. Right. And as, as
0: we talked about the other uh, couple weeks ago, most of these places are making their profit off of the liquor sales yep. anyway. Yep. You know, not the food sales. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it draws people to the location that you have more options around here that, you know, to choose from. I mean, I just think it's a, you, you set, you saturate things,
2: you make people want to go out a little bit more and. uh Make people want to go to your space. Don't, don't like complain that it's a competition thing. Make good food. Right. Yep. So.
1: And, and speaking of good food, th- these two desserts that you brought, Doran, are, are fantastic. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of dessert. I'll be perfectly honest. These are both really, really yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. And
2: we mutilated them with these plastic forks. Yes. Yeah. I apologize. I will, I'm sorry
3: about the cheesecake. Like you can't cut through the, the, the shortbread because it's just like, it's, it's a plastic though. fork. Uh, yeah.
2: But. I like the cheesecake, but
0: this, <laughs> this, uh, is, Strawberry this, shortcake. is ridiculous. It's like so light and airy. Mm-hmm. It packs such, uh, great flavor, um, man. It's like it's and it's it's the, so pretty to look at. I mean, the presentation, yeah. Got the amazing. presentation's great. It's on. Mm. It's got some great, uh, oh yeah, great bag work on
3: there. Well, this is this is very good like pipe, I said, like old school, like Japanese, like pastry right here. So, I mean, these are bad strawberries for October.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Globalization, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Globalization, <laughs> global market. I okay, mean, so. I have to ask uh, – using this as an example, this – if someone comes in for a birthday cake, is this what you give them or is there or is there a Japanese style of birthday cake as well? This,
3: this is – when you come in for a birthday cake in like Japan or like at a Japanese place, this is what you get. And this is also – if you get a Christmas cake, this is what you get. You get this and then they do like a bunch of little sugar like creature animals and figurines like all kind of decorated over the top of it. That's traditional Christmas cake. You get a strawberry shortcake. There you go. Yeah. And so, can we talk about um,
1: uh, like I don't know if they're flavors or if they're I know it's a more to me. It seems like more of a color agent, like pan, um, pan pandan pen. Is that how you say it? pandan? Pandan, P A N D A N. Panda. No, no, it's, it's it's green. It's, it's this green like uh, it's like a leaf that's um. It, Asian bakeries tend to have like a. Um, oh yeah. are you familiar.
3: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, I mean I. I don't really use it that much. Okay. But yeah, I've seen that used. Yeah.
1: So I guess this is a good segue to so there, there are places like in Madison Heights, like QQ Bakery and mm-hmm. Taipan, mm-hmm. um, or Taipei bakery, um, that um that serve
3: I don't know, they're are they Asian bakery? Like what, so, what th- style of bakery are they? So that's the thing. I think a lot of people will look at at a Japanese bakery and think like, oh, it's Asian, so it encapsulates encapsulates like everything that that has to do with asia because it's japanese right but that's not the case at all and like when you go to places that are like specifically japanese they're very different than places that are chinese or places that are korean or places that are thai or places that are malaysian um and i think that's that's kind of the thing is is yeah we are doing some fusion stuff like french and japanese but um, we're not like Chinese, and and what you're talking about the pandan, that's a very Chinese like okay uh, like ingredient, which if you go to Chinese cuisine is very like prevalent, uh-huh. but in Japanese culture it's almost non-existent.
1: Yeah, and this seems like a very American problem, right? Like we just mm-hmm. lump in Asia everything Asian together. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, is, um, isn't it,
1: oh,
0: that?
2: <laughs> don't, don't you mean Oriental? <laughs> right. oh. Yeah. oh wow! Oh, no. <laughs> no, but 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 I mean, like
1: you, you know, like here I am lumping in. Uh, Panned with this, you know, just because I don't know any better.
0: No, but that's, I mean, y- y- you think Asian culture, Southeast Asian culture, food, you know, it, it does. There does seem to be some type of crossover because you can cross over udon mm-hmm. into other yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. You yep. can cross mm-hmm. over, you know, different rice noodles into other things. And- but they were
2: brought from China sometimes. So, mm-hmm. like, some of these ingredients were brought from China to Japan, mm-hmm. hence the crossover. So,
0: uh, speaking of ingredients, so you had said you had talked about how flour is brought. What would be uh, there? Is some traditional. Uh, Japanese fruits that would be into your pastries or is that part of globalization and it's like, okay,
3: that, you know, yeah, that's kind of uh, a little bit of globalization. I think like a lot of the citrus is, is Japanese. Um, Probably the most like true to Japan citrus is something called yuzu. I don't know if you guys have had yuzu, but Mm yeah. Um, But yuzu is, is, you know, kind of like a tart, um, like, lemony almost thing. And that's a very old-school, like, uh, Japanese thing to use in pastries and, and, like, food in general, actually. It's even used in savory food a lot. So that would I'd, I'd say is one of the more, like, um, old-school Japanese, like, fruits. Um, one thing that's gained a lot of popularity over the years in Japan and become, like, kind of, like, the god of fruits in Japan is a cantaloupe. And there's cantaloupes that, um, like, when we – I was working at Morimoto – when he would do like the special omakases, which is the chef tasting dinners, if people came in – like you you could come into Morimoto and you go like, hey, I want a reservation for next month and I want to pay like $1,200 a head for like a dinner. And they would cater a meal to however much you paid for, mm. for that dinner. Wow. So if you paid enough, like Morimoto would actually buy like these cantaloupes from Japan. And the, the, the thing about them, they're kind of like hand-selected, hand-grown like artisan cantaloupes. Um, and it's kind of like Wagyu beef in Japan where it's like the the god of of you know beef that's the god of cantaloupes and they're like three four hundred dollars per cantaloupe no wow. yes, why? yeah they're yes. like
2: individually packaged in like foam and like little netting
3: yeah they're they're like they're like there's farms that'll grow like maybe a couple dozen and that's it for the whole season but but and they're like the perfect cantaloupes but why like I mean quanti- that's quantify like how can you have you tasted that cantaloupe? yes like, what
1: is that? Explain how much more cantaloupe it is than a regular cantaloupe.
3: Twenty <laughs> percent, <20%. laughs> like eighteen point three percent more like, cantaloupe than a than a really good cantaloupe. But, but I mean, like,
1: for, I mean, not not to you know making light of it, but it's like,
2: how do you but, justify? So I think it's like any other ingredient. It's like Wagyu. Mm. Would you pay you know hundred bucks an ounce for Wagyu?
0: There's a difference but between I, Wagyu and
2: I don't think so. And, no, I know, feel like I, any ingredient,
0: conventional uh, beef, that's you know. Raised on antibiotics and blah blah blah, and you can look at Wagyu, you can see the marbling, you can
2: go back. You can make a GMO cantaloupe. You can do all that same nonsense. I feel like you can take any
3: ingredient, elevate it to this extreme level, and there's a market for it. And and that's but see that's how like like Japanese and also some other places in the world. I wouldn't say just Japan, but the Japanese have kind of taken it almost to like like an extreme is taking one thing and making it like the best of that. Thing that you can possibly have in your entire life is like if you eat this cantaloupe, it's going to be the best cantaloupe you're ever going to have in your entire life. Or if you eat this piece of Wagyu beef, it's going to be the best piece of beef that you've ever had in your entire life. And that's that's kind of the point, And that's the goal I, I, of, of like appreciation towards like ingredients in Japan. I can say maybe
0: I, I would probably tend to agree with you if it was you're tasting fresh and fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. But the minute you take Wagyu. And turn it into a cheeseburger. It's right. It's not the same thing. So if you're taking cantaloupe and you're cooking it into something else. Mm-hmm.
3: At, well, it's like point. taking a three hundred dollar cantaloupe and putting it into a smoothie with like bananas and blueberries and granola right. it and doesn't, yogurt. It's yeah. it's pointless. Like exactly. you're you're that's, ruining yeah. it. It's meant to be enjoyed just by itself. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the height of that thing, yeah. is it's meant to be enjoyed. Just as it is, only as it is without anything interfering with it. So so at Morimoto, would it, it just be served as a slice of cantaloupe? Is yes. That, okay. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be. I mean, sometimes it would be served with like maybe a piece of like a sashimi. Okay. Um, But that would be it. Like so instead of the rice, like there'd be a piece of raw fish over it.
0: This has been one of the like most hungriest episodes I think we've done in a long time. Well, we
3: also have the most beautiful
2: food in front
0: I of got us, got beautiful food. Yeah. I'm in a sugar coma right now. I to, did a whole mace, mini mason jar of crème brûlée. you guys creme dig brulee. into those crème brulee? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's already gone. Yeah, the, the, I won't
3: tell you how much fat and calories are in those. Do you know? I, fat yes. is fine. I,
0: hey, you're talking to a guy that believes in fat. It's uh, just
3: it's just heavy cream, sugar, and egg yolks. Yeah, hey, there's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That's no, it. it's, that's how it's supposed to be, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Oh,
0: hundred percent. I mean, this is dessert supposed to be. Yeah, but know, okay, decorative. and that
3: that brings me to a point. I'm glad you kind of mentioned that. Is is a lot of food today has been geared towards like how should I say towards business? You know, it's about making money. It's about like McDonald's and all these big names. They're about like taking food and let's how much money can we make from the consumer upsale 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 mm-hmm. upsale that's like the whole point but like i feel like there's this trend like the raw food trend there's a lot of like like getting away from the white tablecloth and just making good food in restaurants and all this type of thing is there's this trend towards just making good food for people because and and desserts that's what they were about it's a luxury item it was about just making food for people to enjoy and to like community and to like collaborate together and to just, you know, be together as like a family. And like, that's one of the things that I really believe and that food does. It's one of the only things in the entire universe that actually transcends like language. It transcends religion. It mm-hmm. transcends culture. It transcends everything. Like you can share if you make food for someone else. It's one of the most like, like intimate ways of bringing people together. And I really believe that. And that's kind of at the core, like the unspoken unseen, like thing behind White Wolf and what I'm trying to do. Is to, to create that energy behind all the food that I do is to to make it bring people together and to like, you know, stop all this like bullshit that's happening in the world. And,
2: I, and I, my fear is that if we keep desserts as this upsell uh, opportunity for restaurants, we're going to um, basically handcuff all these pastry chefs. Yes. Because they're going to say, OK, this can only cost six dollars. Mm-hmm. So therefore, how do you make a dessert that costs that? And If you're like one of these dishes. I don't know if you can
3: sell these for six dollars or less a serving. Well, that's that's the whole point. Is like I've come from a long line of working at very expensive places. Like I worked for the Four Seasons, I work for Pixar, I work for, um, you know, like I said, Morimoto, Mandarin Oriental, and these are all places that you know create phenomenal food for their guests. But they don't say you have to be this price for dessert.
2: They say you make an awesome dessert, we'll price it. The, yes. The only reason. The other part, Exactly.
0: The other part too is I, I, you, and we talked about this. Oh man, we have talked about this probably in the beginning of our podcasts uh, is that you can't look at dessert as an afterthought dessert right. has to be part of the course of things so you have to have yes. that was your, with ben from chartreuse yeah. but it has to be on yeah.
2: the menu mm-hmm. and i feel like that was the other problem is when you have these dessert menus it's not in your brain when you sit down so you order all this food and you're like nah i'm full
0: i don't need dessert right and then they, you know they bring out a card or he's like can i get a dessert menu or like oh can i get you anything else except for the check and it's like well,
2: yeah, it's an upsell at yeah. that point it's an upsell and it shouldn't yeah. be yeah.
0: it should be the next course, yes, you know the that final you're, course that you're, yeah. that you're planning into it.
1: So, so, as we're talking about this, and with your proximity to Noble Fish, are you is will you guys be connected to Noble Fish, and will it be something that's sold at Noble Fish, or is it going to be completely separate businesses?
3: No, so they're separate entities, but we are going to have some of the products that White Wolf creates, yeah. in the Noble Fish in the market or in the market. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and then we'll we we'll, we're talking about at the moment if we'll put some stuff on the plated menu for for the like the actual dining experience for lunch and dinner. Because um, they don't do any desserts right now, do they? Um, I <clears> don't <throat> think they really do anything at the moment. But they no. only
2: have like four tables right, right. And, now. And they turn. Oh, yeah. That place <laughs> is chaos.
1: But with this yep. huge expansion that's happening, <laughs> right. that's and that's why I bring this four up. Four tables in yep. yep. the yep. counter. Because mm-hmm.
3: they're going to expand to however many additional seats. Yeah, I um, forget the exact number, but yeah they're, yeah, they're putting quite a few more seats in, which is great for the customer. Right.
2: Parking is going to be an issue. Uh, well, yeah, people can yeah. still
0: park down the road and, they'll, you know, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just to go park down the road and walk.
2: Well, but there's those, the, uh, what is it? The hardware store like, guards their parking spaces. I don't know if they're still doing that. that.
1: that that's, a, that's a really heavily policed parking lot. Yes, aggressively. It's ridiculous. Like, if you park you park here, but you park one spot over from where you're supposed to park, like, you're Yeah, I've just never heard done. of a hardware store policing <laughs> <Just>, parking just
0: <laughs> lots. Bring them a piece of this uh, strawberry shortcake. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, okay, hey. you can park here. <laughs> like, what's up with that? Like, hey, hey, you're good. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's just, um, are you guys sourcing stuff?
3: Locally? Are you. Uh... So that's the goal is to try to be sustainable and local as possible for like ingredients. Um, you know, for some of the traditional things, we'll get some stuff from Japan. Like Japanese flour is, is really like top tier for making like Japanese, like the strawberry shortcake you see here. Um, but for some of the other things, like all the fruit, um, vegetables, anything that we use, like dairy, we want to use like local, local as much as possible. Um, so for all the businesses that have been helping us, like, uh, promote and, and open White Wolf, the architect, the kitchen designer, the branding company, the packaging design, all of these types of things. Like they've all been local businesses here in Metro Detroit and I've been very adamant about using them because I want to support the local community. Nice.
1: Mm-hmm. And then what about wholesaling?
3: Wholesaling. So we are going to uh, venture into that. So the goal is to open um Once we kind of get the Clawson location stable, then we're going to start looking into the wholesaling market and to see what that is. Um Our location in Clawson, we're only going to be able to sell like within the state of Michigan uh wholesaling. And then from there, we want to sell across state lines to other places. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to – the goal is to be um the best quote-unquote Japanese – bakery in the United States. So we actually are not going to stop at one. We want to open as many as we can. So we're going to see how this one goes. If it does really well, we're going to open the second one, third, fourth, and however many it goes. And then we're also going to tap into that wholesale market as well eventually. Not right off the bat, but yes, what eventually. It,
1: so if you're wholesaling, and I don't even know if you can wholesale something like this strawberry shortcake, mm-hmm. what is the shelf life on something like this? It, um,
3: so the, the chiffon cake that's inside, yeah. uh, we can actually make and you can freeze it up to a month before okay. you actually decorate it. Because this is just fresh whipped cream, you probably mm. have a shelf life of two days right? and that's it. Like Once it's made like this, like it's it, that's it. It's kind of timed out.
1: Yeah, because I feel like wholesaling would be – you might want to wholesale something like this then, right? Like no.
3: I mean wholesaling, you're going to be doing more things like bread doughs. Like you can do baked breads and you can like uh, have them where whoever you're selling them to can finish baking them so that they're fresh and warm. Uh, cheesecakes, you can freeze and hold and ship. They're great. Uh, I do a tiramisu. That's really great. That holds really, really well frozen um, and shipped. And, and there's a bunch of other things like French macaroons, freeze incredibly well, things like that. So – so
0: are, these are obviously are bigger sizes. You can do some smaller sizing yep. for like individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I, don't, I don't know, six four inches.
3: Yeah. So we're gonna do some for the the cakes. We're gonna do uh, like ten inch. We're gonna do eight inch, six inch cakes that you can buy for like special occasion types things. And then we're gonna do individual portions of things as well. So it's gonna be like I don't want to do like just sliced cakes. I want to do like little individual, um, like two three inch. You know. Mm-hmm. portions they look like little mini like desserts yeah that are yeah. decorated okay. yeah and it looks really cool that way yeah
1: mm-hmm. and so what about um we touched on bread for a second mm-hmm. um there is something that i've noticed in some places like this milk bread yeah the milk bread it the kashi the, bread ka- okay so, so, so that's something that's kind of taking off i had um there was a place in chicago called parachute which mm-hmm. is um i think they're kind of korean influence mm-hmm. and they had like a milk bread type of yes um option and it's even been served in restaurants that are not even asian at all um is that something that's kind of like a, is that a fad right now that's happening is, yeah or is it I something mean, that's been popular forever and just kind of catching up
3: i think it's a fad thing i think paris baguette and also um to are two businesses that are um like korean in like origin uh as they're like those are the where they come from mm-hmm. um and they've kind of made those those types of breads very popular in today's market so which is really great so and i think people are a little bit more open these days um than they were before about uh trying new things and and those types of breads is like they're not stricken to like just the simple like white bread that they see they want to try new things and and experiment outside the box a little bit
2: what about the uh the new korean the new korean food hall that's in southfield i believe they have a bakery component as well I just saw that. Uh, I was driving by it the other day. It it's crazy. pretty. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, they bring their stuff in from a place yeah. in Ann Arbor.
0: They do. Okay. Yeah.
2: Are they um, open they, now? Yeah. The uh, I think the last place just opened. Yeah, the they're, they're
1: fully open. Yeah. They're open seven days and everything. Yeah. Mm. They have a coffee house. They they have something called bingsu, mm-hmm. which is a traditional kind of shaved ice mm. dessert, fruit craziness. Um, yeah,
3: I love it. It's I was when I was in Korea, it's it's like the best thing I had by far. Really? Yeah. I think great. it's
1: the first,
0: they're the first place around here to have it. Probably. Yeah. So, Joe, you mentioned coffee house and, and chef, you said that this is going to have a cafe. Yes. Right. So, yes. Thank you. What kind of, what's, what, what's up with the coffee on the cafe? <laughs> coffee, or?
3: coffee is like one of my like sin, like passions. Like I love coffee like more than anything. Um, so we're going to have a really cool coffee program. We're going to do like traditional drinks that you see, like, like lattes and cappuccinos. Um, the, just the regular brewed coffee. Um, but we're going to have a really cool pour-over bar. So we're going to feature a rotating list of roasters from around the country and oh. around the world. So just like you go into a craft beer bar and you would see like the the craft beer always mm-hmm. rotating. And every time you come in, there's a new roaster, uh, like coffee roaster on the menu. So it's going to be traditional uh, pour-over. We're putting in something called a mod bar, which is a really cool like uh, pour-over system to like – keep the water at the exact temp and we're going to have the special grinders and all this type of thing. So it's going to be really, really cool. And we're going to get a ton of feedback from customers. Our goal is to have um, the coffee menu be like catered by, I mean, curated by the customers as they come in. So that's going to be really great. Hmm. Logically, like I think that's the
1: next step, right? Like right now you have, you have Starbucks obviously, and then you have Mm -hmm. these local Micro roasters like uh, White Pine or Hazano, mm-hmm. and they serve their own coffee. Mm-hmm. And now you're kind of curating mm-hmm. all of these coffees because most coffee programs I've noticed are one roaster.
2: Yes, that's changing. So you look at like, um, uh, what is the one in Birmingham? Like, um, com- Commonwealth. Commonwealth. Yep. <laughs> <coughs> they'll do like three or four, but they'll tend to do like one for espresso. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's three or four limited.
1: roasters or three or four beans. Oh. Yeah, so this is what I'm getting at. Because oh, Commonwealth ro- exactly. roasts their own beans, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I think Commonwealth they roast their own.
2: So you're saying different y- providers? I'm saying so. you yes. y- okay. So Got it. you know,
1: um, so well, White
2: we, we,
3: Wolf would have like Commonwealth, White Pine, Hazano. I mean, that's all local. But Great Lakes, Great Bruce. Le- we'll do. Then we'll branch out and we'll do like Sweet Bloom from Colorado. We'll do Ritual and Four Barrel from San Francisco. We'll do stuff from New York. We'll do stuff from other countries as well like whoever we find that that's a new coffee roaster. And and I don't want to just do stuff that's like really uber famous in the roasting world, but stuff that's like new and cutting edge and like these new kind of intimate, like small new wave, like coffee roasters. And they're they're really like trying to make an impact. And it's like, let's feature them. Let's do that because they're really trying hard and they're going to do a really good job with their their roasting coffee because they're trying really hard. So, and let's support them. Why not? And so then the next step, my thought would be the next step would be
1: pairing. Yes. So you have coffee pairing with a dessert. Is that mm-hmm. is that something that's on your mind
3: as well? Yeah, that is something that's on my mind. Like we can feature like this new coffee that we just got in today was going to go really well with this like Um, strawberry shortcake that we have here is going to go really well with the the Swiss matcha roll that we just like put on the menu, or or this type of thing. And we'll kind of curate that, or maybe we'll get a coffee and we'll think like, oh, it's an inspiration for a new dessert Mm -hmm. that we get in, or maybe. And there's also a lot of like uh, desserts that I use coffee in, so we can actually cater. Like you can drink the cup of coffee pour over, or having a special shot of it with the dessert that that coffee is in as well. So you can get really creative with it. And is this something that you see in Japan? Like this this, I, this kind of coffee bar idea or is it something that just came so up? So coffee here? is huge in Japan right now. Um, probably one of the biggest coffee roasters in Japan is Blue Bottle, which is actually from Oakland, California, which is where I was <laughs> born and raised. Okay. <laughs> Little history. <laughs> uh, plug for Oakland. <laughs> um, but yeah, Blue Bottle coffee is is what has really taken off in Japan. Uh, for some reason, I don't really know why, um, but, but that's like the big, big thing in Japan right now.
1: And, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this culturally, but isn't tea the thing usually? I yeah, was
3: used? just about to ask about tea. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's kind of the interesting thing is tr- tea is definitely the thing. And so um, matcha is a very mm-hmm. traditional thing. We are going to do a lot of matcha things. We're going to uh-huh. do like a little matcha tea ceremony type thing, uh, Some some cool things like mm-hmm. that. I actually saw at the food show in Chicago, someone was doing a cold – uh ceremony grade matcha like little ceremony thing with the whisk and everything but uh-huh. it was served cold so the the matcha never touched heat at all, which was mm. it was really really good though I'd never mm. seen it done like that but there was some but there's some really cool things you can do so i mean just as like the most simple way of explaining it, I want to take like all these traditional things and give people like a taste of that, but also like there's so many different like variations of that as well, and let's explore like what what that is and, like, take some of these really old-school, like, uh, things. And so we're going to have a really cool tea menu. We're going to have a really cool matcha menu, really cool coffee menu, pastries, breads, and then, like, the salad sandwiches for a little bit of savory. I don't want to alienate, like, noble fish next door, so that's why we're not going to do a strong, like, you know, savory menu, just like a little supplement, but – because um, we want to push people. If you want lunch or dinner, go to Noble Fish and then come and hang out. Here yeah, come after. back afterwards and have yeah. some uh,
0: exactly. dessert. dessert. Yes,
3: exactly. <laughs> have a cup of coffee. Yeah. OK. So
1: this is the like the kind of most infamous like Asian ingredient. I don't know if it's like an infamous ingredient in Japan too. Is durian something that – is that something in Japan or is that not in Japan?
3: Um, that's a little bit. That's more like in Indian, Southeast Asia, yeah. like uh, like Thailand and Indonesia, and that that's where it's like really prevalent. Okay,
1: so is there anything infamous like that in Japan that like that you're going to be like pushing the limits with over here? Because um, yuzu is kind of it, it's it's kind of accessible at this point. Like,
3: yeah, and I'm I would I do want to say matcha. But matcha is like almost overused at this point. Yep. You want like a fugu cake or something?
2: Oh, is that that? Fi- that <laughs> that's puffer
1: fish, fish for, from yeah. from The Simpsons. Yes. Or home-
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that fish? You remember
1: that episode?
3: I, I was
0: not He's a big Simpsons oh. I was a Family Guy. <laughs> the
3: the thing that I would like to to bring to people's attention and to teach people about that's really awesome is uh, azuki, which is red bean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, people get really scared when they say, oh, it's a bean in my like dessert. I love red bean desserts, But, but it's, it's really great. It's really awesome. I'm going to do like an azuki latte drink. Um, I want to do, you know, uh, some of the old things like the, the red bean bun, the on you know, with like filled with the red bean paste. But also let's do some, like I do this matcha French macaroon shell filled with like a, a red bean paste or a red bean buttercream that's just phenomenal it's like every time i've ever done it is i should have brought it for you guys i'm sorry it's I oh but you about, you brought out on yourself <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah ne- so next week's guest is going to be chef
0: uh, brooks coming back uh,
1: yeah red beans one of my favorite um one of my favorite ingredients for desserts.
2: So. i'm so so on it yeah i just I love I feel like taro. I've, I've – the ones I've had have been packaged and I feel like have been kind of meh. Yeah. So I'd like to have some fresh ones because I feel like that will help sell me out.
3: Well, of. yeah. If you if you have it fresh made, it's very different than if it's been packaged right. and sitting in a plastic right. bag right. for right. like two months. You know? So – but yeah. I mean and that's that's one of those things. It's like perfect example. If you haven't had it done right – if you've had food and you don't like it, it just means you haven't had the version of it that's done properly. Mm-hmm. That's my my belief. Yeah. I,
0: I agree
1: on that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and these—I mean, you're right about the red—the be- the red beans around here, the red bean filling tastes processed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it might—and you know, it might be. Um, okay, so Doran, um, the early 2019 is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. For yes. open, and uh, we're 14 mile, yes, Clawson mm-hmm. near Noble Fish. Yes, um, there will be sit down. There'll be areas to sit in White Wolf.
3: Yeah. Oh, and. Just real quick, we're yeah. going to do a really cool open kitchen. So you're going to actually sit at a butcher, block, a butcher block counter behind like a little 18-inch glass wall that extends into the kitchen on the butcher block counter, which is where all the pastries will be made. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there'll be that. There'll be a little bit of front seating right on 14-mile looking out with an open window right out onto the street. Okay. Then there'll be a little like lounge area as well. And we'll have two entrances. We'll have entrance from the back. Where the parking lot is behind the building, and also entrance on 14 Mile. Uh,
1: and is there a website yet?
3: Yes. Yeah, so, whitewolfbakery.com um, and our social media: Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. It's slash WWJP LLC, which is WW, which is White Wolf JP Japanese Patisserie LLC, because that's you know the business. Yep. Um, so WWJP LLC, um, and then hashtag WWJP LLC as well. Awesome.
2: Yep. Dorm Brooks, thank you. Until next time, dine well, friends.